Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi. And alongside me, as always, is Paul Gilliari. With yet another Anderson Valley Winter Solstice Christmas Seasonal Ale. Seasonal Ale. Yeah. It's back again. Uh, last week, we both had one. Uh, I only snagged two when I saw them at the store. Well, you, you should have bought, you know, 70 of them like I did a few weeks ago. <laughs> I, I told you this <laughs> in real life yesterday, but I went to Bevmo to procure my uh, Christmas Eve and day um, libations, and um, they didn't have any at the store. And I asked the gal, I go, can you uh, just happen to check the other stores in, in the LA area? And she goes, sure. She goes, well, there are none, <laughs> unless you want a 13-gallon keg. There's one of those in like f- where someplace far away. I'm like, no, nah, I'll go for the Anchor Steam, which was quite good. But um, how was your Christmas? Well, how, how, did the kids enjoy themselves as well? It was it was joyful and triumphant, Jason. Well, that's all you could ask for. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's that's I don't know. There's like, I mean, obviously, uh, if we've got the COVID running amok all over the place still. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> there, there's a few just you know, garden variety seasonal uh, sniffles as well going around. And so I think uh, some of us are kind of managing some of that stuff so to, to, to anyone and everyone who who was a little under the weather over the holiday uh we dedicate this episode to all of you abs that's, that's a great call we um the family was supposed to be in new york right now hence why i wasn't sure there'd be an episode um week 52 one for every week of the year we actually managed to do it um yeah not in new york we decided to pull the plug as we uh all of our friends and family out there were like don't come it's gnarly out here and uh I guess we were right, and I, I have friends yeah. in England right now, and apparently England thinks it's the uh, they're having a, they're having a um, um, what's the right word here? I don't want to call it an ignorant off, but it's kind of like a contest of who could care less about the about the uh, disease. England apparently is going nuts right now, and I have friends who are stuck in Liverpool because they just got it. so oh. shit's going crazy. So all of you out there in England, um, hope you're being safe, uh, but everywhere, hope you enjoyed your holiday as best you could. A um, couple of drinks, a couple of gifts, some family, friends, and uh, here we are pushing into a new year, 2022. And you know what, Paul? As we head into a new year, we uh, we got some things that we asked for, that we wished for for Christmas, but we're wishing for some new stuff coming into 2022, some new resolutions, some new things that we're going to strive to become or to acquire um, or to just be. And um, we figured... This is a, an idea from you to do a top five Pearl Jam related wish list. Would you care to explain the rules of the game? Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's pretty straightforward, right? Uh, it's it's the holiday, and, and in true holiday spirit, uh, create a wish list, a little holiday wish list for yourself. What would you like? Um, it's got to be Pearl Jam related, mm-hmm. right? So that, that's it's it's got to be something realistic. That's that was a big that. thing because I told people about this like in, in again in real life, and they're like, "Oh well, you know, resurrect Chris Cornell." And I go, "Well, hold on, 
not yeah. possible. Not so possible. maybe we'll back it up a little bit. Yeah. So it, 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 it needs to be Pearl Jam related. It, mm-hmm. it needs to be realistic. And uh, you may, if you wish, wish, no pun intended, or maybe so, uh, for something already in existence and available, right? Maybe there's something for your collection that you don't have that you wish you did. Uh, or you may wish for uh, something not yet manufactured or made available that you, you wish would be. Okay. Right? So uh, those are the parameters, my friend. All right. So pretty, uh, pretty open-ended. I like that we're keeping it realistic because then we can sort of, um, to borrow a term that my wife uses a lot, manifest it. We got to yeah. manifest it into reality. I like right? that positive, positive yeah, positivity. Outlook. It's a great you know, way to end 2021 and hearken. Heart, 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 where am I going? I don't know. It's, I don't know. Harken <laughs> the Herald. I'm, I'm, I'm minutes away from dropping words like hearth and harken mm. and herald. And, and anyway, I'm well, going to go it, first. Well, Paul, the H is the letter of the day. Mm-hmm. Apparently. H is the letter of the day. Yeah. But it's not in my first selection. Oh, okay. Good segue. Um, go to number five for your time. England is, though. List. The UK is. Oh, okay. Because uh, one thing I would absolutely wish for is a pristine vault release of Pearl Jam's February 22nd, 1992 show in Newcastle, England. Oh, yeah, that would be lovely. That, that their set list at the Riverside. Uh, the version of Black was one of my favorites. Now, when I was still living up north in San Francisco, I had made a, uh, this is during the, the BitTorrent and the Napster oh, yeah. era, right? So sure. uh, th- I was going nuts, just, just you know, hog wild on bootlegs at the time, just grabbing everything I could. And I, I tried to find the best version of black. This was kind of the genesis of, of what would later become this whole concert series that we, that mm-hmm. I have, that we're, we're sharing with listeners. And it started with trying to find the best live version of black. And uh, I was digging through every version I could. And I found this amazing soundboard quality version from this particular show. Uh, and I've, I've lost it. And I have <sighs> since only been able to find what is still a very strong version that I believe was, was released on the radio. Uh, but it, it sounds beautiful. Uh, but there's this bizarre, uh, you know, kind of reverb, echoey sound to it. Um, it just has a, a th- th- there's just kind of a, a deep tunnel sound to it for some reason. It's still rich and it still sounds great. But uh, I don't know. I really, I miss that other version that I used to have. And I don't know how that version was produced. It, it may have been something that, that got tweaked. And that was the version that I lucked out with. It, it may actually not really be attainable, but realistically it is because I once had it. So I would like to get that version of black back because if I had it, it would be on my list as the, the, the best version from that tour of that song. So that was, uh, where was that? They did uh, Riverside. Yep. 12 songs. Mm -hmm. Black was uh, song seven after a live. They do like a hunger strike intro. Yep. Yep. He he thanks the crowd and says, you know, he'll let Chris know how how great they sounded. And then he kind of launches into it. And the the intensity of it, uh, the way he holds those notes. Uh, it, it, it's one of the finer vocal performances from Eddie in this uh, era of that song that you'll hear. And you, I, I'm pretty sure, if memory serves, chose that as your live cut of Black, which was our very first episode. 
Mm-hmm. Or no, I'm sorry. Second yeah. episode. Second episode. I, I just yeah. wish I had that specific sound. I, I don't. I don't. That MP3 is gone, man. It's lost in the ether. And I, I, wanted, I would love to get my mm-hmm. hands on it again. I'll send you what I have. But it's probably the same thing you already have. It so. Probably is. I, I've scoured the internet in yeah. recent years, and I keep. Well, if anybody has this, yeah, drop us a line, as they say. Please do. Please. Um, my number five choice, a little bit more broad, but it's to see them at the Hollywood Bowl here in Los Angeles. To mm-hmm. my knowledge, they've never played the bowl, and it's a legendary venue. And uh, by the way, this assumes that I have good seats. <laughs> yeah, yes. In the back, it's a little hard to see the things, but it's a legendary bowl, a le- legendary venue, I should say. And I think we've seen them in many places here. We've seen them at the Forum. We've seen them at the uh, Gibson, no longer a thing. We've seen them at the um, uh, LA Sports Arena, no longer a thing. Uh-huh. They have played the Fonda. They have played the Greek. Um, they've played in Irvine. They've played in San Bernardino at the Glen Helen Pavilion. They've played in a lot of venues out here, but not the Hollywood Bowl. And that place goes on. It's legendary. And I think that would really, if they could do a couple of nights there, that would be a mess. I don't know why they haven't done that. It's not that. How many seats does, how many? Uh, the Hollywood Bowl? Yeah, it, it's we'll big, it but it's. Hollywood Bowl capacity. This is the, the content you're looking for. 17.5. 175. Wow. That's basically the same as the forum. Yeah. Pretty sure. So that's not out of bounds. That's, that's, that's regulation, you know, basketball, hockey arena capacity. Yeah. To do a couple of nights there. What, what's the, what's stopping them? And by the way, not that they're going to change the venue now, but if they had, they were rescheduling dates and they couldn't get the forum back for some reason, they could go to the bowl. It's almost the same capacity. This is true. This is true. Anyways, I just think it'd be a really cool venue to see their brand of rock and roll and you have all the classics have been there your tom petty's and your ellen john's and your la philharmonic orchestra and everybody in between and jazz fest and so i think it'd be awesome if they would play there at some point before uh before they're done i love it it's a little bit yeah, of a I, home I, homer I, choice though I, but you know what man I, I second it and i'll tell you what uh in my preparation for this episode i was thinking about where i would like to see pearl jam play and I came across this article written on December 13th, 2018 in Rolling Stone. And it was called 10 Best Live Music Venues in America. Oh, okay. yeah. And uh, from big rooms to intimate spaces, a selection of some of the country's best live music spots. And uh, sure enough, I noticed, I mean, there were a lot of venues I never heard of before, but I'm sure those, those listening may have, you know, First Avenue, Minneapolis, uh, the 930 Club, Washington, D.C. Yep, yep. Tower Theater in Philly and so on. Well, anyway, the Hollywood Bowl makes this list. And when I saw that, I thought to myself, you know what? Of all the times Pearl Jam has come here, I always thought to myself, what? why are they there? Why are they not at the bowl? You're right. You're right. It is a venue that I wish I had the opportunity to see Pearl Jam play. And I think it would be an iconic performance. Just the setting of the bowl, I think, would be very picturesque and memorable as well. I don't think I'd ever forget it. And just to hear that sound in that space vaulted like that. You know what I mean? Um, exactly. I, I'm with you on that. So that, that, that was actually on my list. I was going to get to a little bit later. Oh, really? I, I thought it was a perfect segue. Oh, lovely. Well, I'm sorry to have broached your topic there. Like no, this that, is but, great. Uh, I, I thought it was fantastic. We are oh, like minds. And by the way, I, you know, I, I sort of put these in order, order of importance, but at the same time, it's like, there's a lot of like one a through D here, you know? Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Hollywood Bowl. And uh, what what would be – well, you just did your one of your other ones. Should I go again then? Are we snaking? Uh, <laughs> do you want I to expand more in your Hollywood Bowl or do you want to – No, no, that was it. Okay, so we'll, we'll call that two for you then, right? So you've got two. Yep. Okay. So um, then my fourth would be um, the next step in, in the evolution of, of me seeing the band, which is to see them in Europe. See oh. them in Europe. Um, I could think of uh, Amsterdam, Germany, Italy as like, you know, probably the, the prime places. But I think anywhere out there, there's just, and this is kind of true for a lot of music, but I think a lot of European crowds, even South America, actually, I should say, I shouldn't leave out South America. Um, I think they, they play uh, Europe a lot more. There's just a different kind of reaction. Different, yeah. different reactions from the, from those crowds, and I just like to be in that and just be in a different culture and how see how they perceive the band and just see what the differences are, but also enjoy how similar the reactions are as well because of how that music is that common language. Yeah, you know, I'm with you. I'm with you so much. In fact, oh god, I did that, it again. No, actually, I I very much would like. A vault release from the No Code, oh. specifically, yes, from Europe, namely, mm-hmm. pro- I don't, Berlin might be nice. That would be a good one. There's a lot of shows in '96 that I think are worthy of a vault release. For the life of me, I cannot understand why we we have yet to receive something more, more formal from that tour. I I, I don't know. I think I, we got something from almost every year. We've gotten '91. We've got '93. We got '98. '98. The '95. Yeah. Got ninety five. We got two thousand seven. Uh huh. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm hopeful. Man. I'm hopeful. So that that's definitely on my my wish list. It's a, one one of those shows abroad from the ninety six tour. Uh, I've got great soundboard quality copies of yeah. them now, but I would love just to see that that treatment. You know what I mean? Well, me that mastering that. treatment that we get with the. So we we've chosen Berlin as. Um, live cut of the week territory a number of times because of yeah. how good the performance was and because it was a radio broadcast. So you get pretty solid um, quality. Would you then prefer to get Hamburg soundboard considering we don't have that for them? I, I There's a lot of songs um, from that set that I enjoy as well. Yeah. I mean, if, if you go, if you take a look at some of these here, Let's just go abroad. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, we have the, the the Berlin and the Hamburg shows. Mm-hmm. Those were fantastic. Uh, I've heard uh, kind of some raw recordings from the Paris show that were also great. The Rome and Milan shows were outstanding. Actually, yes. I really yes. enjoyed those, especially Bud- the one Budapest. in Rome. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. That was great as well. And then, of course, uh, we had we had those shows in in, uh, in Australia as well. That was 98. 98. So pardon me. Right. I'm thinking of 98. Um, <clears throat> the end of that tour, though, they played two shows in Lisbon. I believe, I believe the second of which was really, really good as well. The, the, the Barcelona one is, is iconic. Barcelona, that's yes. A really, that's where they, that's where they recorded yeah. um, Smile from the single. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That sounded great, too. So clearly there was something about some of those performances that were just outstanding. I, I would love to just get a show from that era I'm with I, you. As, a, as a release. We... we went on and on about this on an episode way back in the day about what should the next vault release be. And at the time, the next vault release, I guess technically was 
Atlanta 94. I mean, I could piggyback like, and expand on this. I don't want to please, call this an honorable no, mention, but just go to, for it. it. It would be really great if, if in conjunction, maybe this came with a larger uh, ah. no code and yield box set the way that we got, uh, you know, I, I, I had always thought that was going to come, you know, for some reason they, they opted to not push forward with that beyond, um, beyond yield, but uh, I'm sorry, uh, beyond uh, Vitology. Thank you. But for some reason, uh, I'm surprised. I mean, I, I think you could go all the way through yield. I understand binaural, like some of these later albums, you, you may not want to go as heavy on those retrospectives just based on the uh, response. You know, I like to say, um, speaking of like some, going back to some of the albums and seeing what's there that we haven't already mined. If you go on Apple music, I believe um, both 10 and no code were remixed for Dolby Atmos. And I believe you can, you can listen, if you have like the, the right headphones, like they have the AirPod Pro things, you can, you can get that, that experience. Why not do that for binaural? It was recorded with that binaural technology. So there was yeah. obviously an, an eye for that or an ear for that. So why not maybe go a step further and really expand what you already started with that album say hey we're going to remix this we'll remaster the album regularly too but we'll also remix yep. it in atmos for you that could be obviously we know there's a ton of cutting room floor stuff on that album that's what yeah. the whole resequencing the album series so jeff guys there's tons of stuff there for you i know i know all right um next one for me will be this is kind of a selfish one but that's okay to see every album track live in person and the, the, the weird interludes notwithstanding. So, you know, I don't expect to ever hear Foxy Mop. I don't expect to ever hear um, Pry 2, for example. But like actual songs, like I'm going through my PJ St- Stat Tracker app here, right? And mm-hmm. there's a few albums here that I'm like 75, 81, like <laughs> missing like th- two or three songs. I'm like, oh my God. It was just kind of the OCD part of me would really into knocking some of these songs off. Let's see if I can pull this up right now real quick. So if I can go to albums here, look at the backspacer, right? I'm missing supersonic and speed of sound. Come on. Just give, just give me those. Dude, take them off the list here. You got, uh, Oh, binaural 53% complete. That's no bueno. Odds <laughs> dice, light, light years of the girl rival sleight of hand parting ways. Haven't heard any of those. I need to hear these songs. I need to hear the entire catalog as most I can in my life at some point. I mean, I've gotten lucky with a couple of these, but like, do you know what I mean? Like, is that, is that too much to ask? It really isn't. It really isn't. <laughs> Not, look, the band on more than one occasion has set out to quote unquote, play everything they've ever played right. before. Right. And so I completely see that being not only realistic, but actually largely attainable if you go to enough shows. I mean, there's, the, the, it's expensive, man. This is an expensive That's the fashion, thing. You know? So I know. I mean, we're, we're, we have a, a decent number. Now, some people out there have like hundreds, which is wild to me. Um, and I'm also jealous, jealous at the same time. But yeah, at this point though, especially with new music, it gets harder and harder to kind of hit some of those old numbers yeah. because the likelihood of them playing something from an older album is generally a hit. Um, and some of these, you know, second half of the career albums, if you can call them that, um, like by new rolling on, if they play a song from there, it's going to be something. Well, uh, I mean, if it, getting parting ways, I mean, that's, 
I'm not saying they won't play that again, but you, for it to happen in LA or wherever we reside, it, it it's it, the percentages are low. You know, I just feel like you know if they're going to be coming out, coming out, coming out, you know, in the in the spring, we're we're set to learn when these actual dates are very very soon. Um, why not say you know what? Let's start plucking some things that we haven't played in a long, long time. Let's yeah. get these people have been waiting for a long time, over two years for these shows. You know, we're excited to get out there and play the hits, but you know, let's, let's give them an extra treat for being so patient. And you know, let's bust out sleight of hand out of, out of nowhere and and make Jason's life. You know, I don't. I'm not gonna say miserable, but like you know, I, let's play a song. I love that. That's the song wants you to, he wants to tick off <laughs> from his from his checklist, but you know, necessarily is gonna love. It's actually yeah. a song I genuinely love, and would, would die. Have you to heard it? it? Have you heard it? I, I don't. know. I have to look at the the, the app. I, I don't remember if I've heard it. I'm actually really bad with that. Off the top of my head, there's a lot. I, I'd have to go back and see. I mean, I don't know off the top of my head. That's why I have. I have when, when I first downloaded that app, I started getting religious about it. Like, really just mm. wanting to know what, you know, what, what do I need to hear? After a while, I just, I stopped uh, being so invested in what songs I have heard and which songs I have not. And I think that moving forward, whenever they release a new album, I'm more committed to hearing the new stuff stuff, at Uh least because it could because i feel like i need to hear the new stuff and really what did it for me more than anything was infallible i'll never forget that experience of of hearing that that song live and it completely changing my outlook on a track and so for anything new that they release i I feel like i need to do that a song like sleight of hand i adore that song the album i have not yet heard a bootleg version of it where they truly capture that that atmospheric soundscape that they beautifully create on an album. And so I think to some degree, I'm at peace with the older ones, whichever ones I've heard, you know, it, anything new I get is a treat, but it's not a necessity, but for anything new, like, you know, you're lucky you went to all those Ohana shows. You mm-hmm. basically saw everything minus what one track, I think. And so Com- comes and goes is the only one I haven't seen. Right. So I haven't, you know, you're, you're, you've got me beat on them. I think, I don't know. I probably heard maybe a half the album. Yeah. If that, so it's going to definitely require going to, I mean, when they come to LA for hopefully for two or three shows, I'm probably going to have to, uh, here's what I will do. I will not make the mistake I did last time, which is uh, not going to every show because uh, I, I did that in 09 when they did four of them at the Gibson. And right. I regret not going to the one that they played hunting, hunger strike at with Chris. Uh, I did go to every show with you at the uh, 2013. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's right. So that I felt pretty good about. Um, and those were some great, great shows. So I think I think, uh, I think it comes down to just not having regret because you know that these guys aren't. I mean, Eddie just turned fifty-seven a couple of days mm-hmm. ago. I mean, at some point they're going to yeah. start really slowing down. So I think at this stage, whatever shows you can see, you owe it to yourself to, to, yeah. to see them. You know, it, it, again within reason. I mean, if you got four kids in a private school and <laughs> you're already you got, you got bigger out fish to, to see yeah. one show, I mean, come on. You know, I get it. <clears throat> let me let me ask you this then before we move on. What is the one song you haven't seen that you really just like, I, I got to see this song? Well, for a while, I would have said Hunger Strike, um, specifically with Chris. Right. I think that that was definitely a, a song I would love to have heard them play live. Um, recently, I was fearful that I was never going to hear Dance to Clairvoyance. I really wanted to hear what that song Why would like you think that you heard you hear that? Uh, you know what, man? I... I, I just didn't know. I didn't know if it would be one of those tracks like The Fixer, where it seems like it's the track on the album, but it, it's polarizing enough where they don't necessarily play it at every show. 
so I didn't know. Well, they didn't the know show. nine. Uh, well, yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't know. I um, I, I just really wanted to hear that song live. I, I really wanted to hear Retrograde, uh, which I did. I, I thought that would be soaring. I love the fact that I was able to hear that live and look up at the sky while I heard it. I mean, that was just mm-hmm. amazing. Um, so that was really, really cool. I think from from older stuff, a song that I ha- have not yet heard that I'm really dying to hear live. It, it is a song I have heard live, but it's a way I want to hear it live. And that'll actually dovetail into one of my wish list items, actually. Well, go for it. So I would love, I'm on, this is my number four now, right? I think it's your fourth. I think it's your second yeah, last I, I want a Pearl Jam Symphony album. Oh, yeah. I would oh, very man, much like a Pearl Jam. If Metallica yes. can do it, if Scorpions can do it. The Who? <laughs> if the, the Who, oh, come on. If the Who can do it. Alderman well, let's not bring them in. Come on. I'm saying they did it. <laughs> no, I know. Look, there, there's so much. You listen to an album like uh, Ben Royal Hall. You listen to an, uh, some of the things that they did during the Backspacer tour where they had the strings in the mm-hmm. background for, for some of uh, Eddie's tracks. It, it would be beautiful. It would really be beautiful. And Black is the song that I would love to hear with that type of an accompaniment. I would love to just see what that sounds like. Do do they rearrange it? Do they just complement it? It would be really fascinating to see. Um, You know, there's a a band that I've mentioned on this show before called Bears Den out of the UK. Mm -hmm. Fantastic band. Very, very talented. They have a a lovely song on an album that came out a few years ago called uh, Old Wives Lives. And if you you listen to that song, it's got a really cool kind of... uh, 80s um kind of uh retro sound to it i suppose but it it, it rocks at the same time it really moves and it, it'll get you jumping so they did this with a, a with a symphony behind them and they completely reworked the song it doesn't sound anything like the original and it's beautiful it was just a stunning reimagining of a song so i would love to see pearl jam play with this type of an orchestral background because I'm very curious if they, it does it just complement the music like we saw with most of Metallica's set or do they kind of reimagine a lot of songs like uh, I saw with, with the, the Bears Den set. So I, I'd be comfortable either way, by the way. I mean, it's, the, mm. <laughs> I mean, it's their music, their artists come together and let genius thrive. I just want to partake in that, that glory. So I'm, I'm hopeful that one day we'll get something like that before it's too late. So we did an episode a while back, guys, well, maybe like a couple months ago, called the S&P Index. And that's where we actually put together our own set list of what we would want to see uh, at this kind of uh, hopefully futuristic Symphony and Pearl Jam show. Yeah. So go listen to that if you want a bit more, because I'm with you. That would be tremendous. Um, hell, do it at the Hollywood Bowl at the LA Philharmonic. Come oh, on. Oh, boy. And we'd actually get to see it. <laughs> it's tick two boxes, one with one stone. All right. So my next one is going to be to take my kids to see them. Oh, it's a great so one. right now they're, they're four and eight months, almost eight months. And I basically need Pearl Jam to keep rocking for at least six more years. So if I can get them to like 10 and six, I feel like, that's a, that's a good, that's a, that's okay. I can, I, they'll be able to hang for a show. Um, obviously the, old, the older they get, the, the better chance I have of not one of them passing out. But, uh, you know, the older one, older one already loves Artelis Pearl Jam. I've definitely indoctrinated him into that <laughs> and a couple other bands, 
but I think that would be like the the cherry on top, right? You get to yeah. pass it on to the generation and get the and get that whole kind of circle. Um, it's one thing to bring bring your significant other, but to bring the kids in. Yeah, man, that, that, that's a beautiful request. I thought about that, and you know, my daughter's six, my son is two, and there's not a, a show I've ever been to that I didn't think to myself, God, when can I bring my kid? You know, or my kids at one point. I, I it is attainable, um, and I I thought about that. You would go, I really, really. Would she be into the into the music? I think they would. I, I, I don't keep my kids up that late. You know what I mean? And so I mean, obviously when she's 10 or 11 or 12, I mean, whatever, she could stay up to go see a Pearl Jam show. I mean, my, my son being six, be a bit of a stretch, but be, if he's eight, saying, it'd be hard. I'm trying yeah, to think yeah, of like yeah. the window, right? Like right, the minimum yeah. possible. Obviously exactly. older is easier. For sure. So I, I, I would, I, I could completely get on board with that. Um, that wasn't my number one actually. Uh, but, but it's a, a, a worthy and, and uh, amazing number one. It, it, it would be, it, it was a thought that it crossed my mind, but I wasn't, I wasn't sure kind of where my, I guess I, I wish my kids would love Pearl Jam as much as I do, but that is that a sickness I really want. Not some, I'm kidding. <laughs> tell me, see, tell me you out here laughing. Um, I can feel your laughter through the futuristic part, part of, uh, of what we're doing here. I can, I can already know that you're laughing long because you have kids that you've already indoctrinated into into Pearl Jam and they like it or they don't like it and they put up with it anyways in the car in the house whatever yeah Yeah. so you guys know already they they do a lot of listeners do so I'm excited about that prospect as well so that's that's a I think that's less of a of a wish list thing for me because I, I feel like I have such command and control over that whereas some of these other items are beyond my control that all I can really do is wish I think that's probably the reason why I didn't uh, mm. I didn't put that one on my list, but I, I love the idea. Well, then what's your so, number one? My number one, I would love to have the band on this show. God damn it, it's mine too. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it, it's to me it would be the apex of everything we do. We would quit immediately afterwards. <laughs> <Yeah, exactly. laughs> There's no encore, Jason. We that's can't it. top this. It's it's, <laughs> it's over. It's, <laughs> It's just downhill from here. Uh, it would literally be downhill from there. All right. But, so last episode, guys, we talked to <laughs> Pearl Jam. Today we're going to do top five songs we love off of Yield. It's like, well, <laughs> no one cares at that point. No, no one cares. <laughs> uh, but that, to me, that would be the pinnacle. It really would be. And it's just the opportunity to, to talk to the band about so many different types of things. And, and I wouldn't care. I mean, in all likelihood, they'd give us like five minutes. You know what I mean? If we were lucky, we wouldn't have them on. Uh, as as long as I think we would we would hope for, but uh, if we were ever lucky enough to be able to do that, I think I would probably stay up really late every night leading up to it, just digging through the inner recesses of my mind. What do I want to ask? I, th- my biggest regret would be walking out of the interview not asking a, mm. a question of how did I forget? At-? So, and obviously with respect to the sensibilities of each band member and the things they're comfortable talking about and things that they probably, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, look, can we talk about your drummers? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it's, they would it's, love um, that click. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mostly because I, I, I don't think it's that, uh, I think it's more of a Cameron Crow tried. <laughs> Yeah, gotta, it's more of a, it, it. exactly. So it's more of like a morbid curiosity than something that I actually am that deeply invested in knowing about. But it, 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 it quite honestly, you read enough from the other sources around yeah. the circumstances. It's not hard to piece together what really went down, how, you know, how things have evolved. Uh, fortunately, I might add, for, for, for everyone, for the most part, uh, uh, 
don't think the the band could be in better hands than they are with Matt on uh, on uh, the percussion. And that's no disrespect to, to all the other drummers who did an outstanding job mm-hmm. contributing to the band's legacy. So just to have them on, man, would be just what, what an amazing experience to be able to talk to the guys and uh, and uh, and just, just it's that feeling of saying, man, we, we literally get together every week. We love your music so much. We get together every week and talk about it. And we are so blessed and fortunate to have anybody listening at all. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and I think when we started out, we were conscious of how we built the show in, in terms of trying to, to really be mindful of, of what people would want to hear and, and uh, right. maybe what they don't want to hear and how to structure an episode and so on and so on. But um, we didn't know how many people would ever care enough to want to listen to us. And I'm very grateful. You know, we, we, we talk about... Uh, New Year's resolutions. It's, I guess it's that time of year. I'm not really that big into those kinds of things, but I, I will tell you that uh, Jason and I, we have talked a lot about the future of this podcast and that we have some, some really big ambitions. We had big ambitions for it this year. And I think by and large, actually, we, we made some really notable strides, uh, but, but next year, really excited about the, the possibilities as well. And just kind of looking forward to hopefully continuing the momentum to get us to a place where one day, you know, somebody from the band, even if it's one member, it would be amazing to have them all on there. If if we could experience uh, the joy uh, of having, you know, all these guys on here, the way that we, we have fortunately been able to experience some of the cover bands, uh, it would right. be yeah. quite a, a thrilling, thrilling experience. Yeah. I mean, you said most of what I would say uh, it's, it's um, to, and you guys know this listening, but like to have something that you, um, constantly come back to that has that has given meaning or um added value to different facets of your life so much so that you want to hear two strangers talk about different parts of the band's history or catalog or personalities or anything even remotely adjacent to those things week in and week out is pretty wild and to um I, I would have to imagine as a, as a band member to know that there's multiple um, podcasts out there that do this kind of thing um, in, in different ways, of course, and, and focusing on different things and spotlighting certain um, different ways of, of approaching uh, the same body of content, body of work. It's got to be kind of weird, kind of trippy. And I would just kind of want to know what they feel about that. I mean, they've had, they've been under the microscope for 31 years now, 30, almost 32 years um and jeff and stone even longer being in mother love bone but like that's got to be a strange kind of mind fuck and and beyond just the the normal questions that anybody would want to ask like you know what was the thought process behind writing you know amongst the waves and like just things like getting really nerdy and nitty-gritty about you know how songs are are written or or lyrics or you know jeff why did you go with a 12 string bass on that song what why did you feel that that was like we could nerd out on on the music um hardware if you will um beyond just what's in their brains to make them what made them make them make the songs that we love so i mean to have to have a few minutes would be fantastic i, I wrote here untimed hang because that's my wish <laughs> just talk for and we, we can go full joe rogan go for like four hours you know that'd be kind of cool but um just to get to know him more as, as humans because it'll, it'll help kind of fill in the gaps like you said you, you can piece together enough things from other sources and kind of get a pretty good idea of what the reality was, but there's always still going to be 
bits. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like the, the history of science. We're always kind of learning um, or even anthropology. You're kind of trying to figure out, you got evidence here, you got evidence here. And you can kind of surmise what's in between. Yeah. And that's how we've kind of gone through anthropology and, and science for, for thousands upon thousands of years. And so that's kind of how you view the, the timeline of a band, but to actually have um, not to, bring up fossils but you know these these guys are been around for a little while <laughs> they have some stories <laughs> to tell and they could lend some of these details to us that we don't know yet so yeah. I'd, I'd be interested to see if we could ask questions of them that they actually haven't been asked before like well, you know the the rolling stone journalists of the world and and the the really bad press junkets from you know certain places around the world who just ask these really asinine questions that they've heard a million times like no 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 can we ask questions that that that'll go deeper? Like, for example, Eddie and Jeff were on Bill Simmons' podcast right, right when Gigaton was about to come out, and it was fun. It was fun because Bill Simmons is a fan, so he was he was coming at it from a, kind of a fan's perspective, but he was still pretty surface layer. Like the deepest he got was like, "What do you think is your best live song?" I think it's Porch. And he, he wanted them to go go down and find out what they thought their best live song was. It's kind of, an interesting question to ask. Not very deep, but it's interesting. I'd want to go deep. I'd want to try and find out exactly for the music. That is some deeper questions that haven't been asked before. Yeah. Um, so that would be, it would be incredible. And, and we've, we have been trying to track down certain players in their history um, over the last year. And, and that, as will be our goal for this coming year as well, trying to nail down some of those, um, some of the bit parts uh, from their history. So if we, if we get them, when we get him, I'm manifesting. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be the first to know. <laughs> and and yeah, so I think we yeah having him on the show would be would be fantastic and the pinnacle, as you say. Well, there you go, guys. Uh, let us know what your wishes would be. Uh, again, realistic is the key here because we're trying to manifest good things. And um, wherever you are across the world, uh, let us know. Comment below wherever you're watching this thing or li- listening, not watching, listening. And um, we'd love to find out what you guys think. Let's then go to our lyric of the week. And no surprise here, uh, Paul. Lyric of the week comes from Yield, and it comes from Ta-da! Wish list. Oh, of course it does. I wish I was a So wish lists, we're going with uh, one of the middle verses. It's one of my my favorite of the of the uh, of the song. What do you got for me? You know, I was thinking about this initially. We had talked about uh, lyrics in this album, and I, I had submitted the the Christmas tree. I wish it was the star that yep. went on top line, right? That set there. Um, <clears throat> you actually asked to pivot. You said, "You know what? Let's go to that that second set that you you passed on." So I. I I'm with you. This set of lyrics, namely the Camaro's hood line, are, are one of my mm. favorite. Period. I, I, I've said this in the past. I just think this this entire song is a beautiful exercise, not only in imagery and figurative language, but also 
a wonderful, wonderful exploration into manifestation, to borrow your word, mm-hmm. uh, and, and kind of reimagining the concept of a wish list. You, know, you, you have songs. Um, I'm, I'm going to contrast this to the Eartha Kitt song, Santa Baby. Okay. Where she's she's uh, I'm going to re- read you a couple of lyrics. Uh, by the way, juxtaposing these two things are, are, are a fascinating exercise mm-hmm. for anyone listening. Um, so Santa Baby is a song by, by the, uh, the lovely and talented Eartha Kitt in 1953. And just quick verse here. Uh, Santa Baby, just slip a sable under the tree for me. Been an awful good girl. Santa Baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa Baby, a 54 convertible too, light blue. I'll wait up for you, dear. Santa Baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Think of all the fun I've missed. Think of all the fellas that I haven't kissed. Next year, I could be just as good if you check off my Christmas list. Then she proceeds to name things like a yacht. Um, <laughs> she, she wants a platinum mind. Uh, she wants uh, a stocking with a duplex and checks. <laughs> she wants, uh, decorations for her tree bought at Tiffany's. I mean, it's, it's, it's a charming song in its own way, but... <clears throat> What, what's what's interesting is this concept of okay here's a wish list right mm-hmm. but it's all laced with materialism with with capitalistic materialism and, and you know it's the very embodiment of why eddie started wearing a, a corduroy jacket and wrote that song you know mm-hmm. that's not why he was wearing the jacket but it's why he wrote the song it's like you're just monopolizing and commercializing somebody else's identity and this song, I thought that it just does a fantastic, phenomenal job of repurposing that, that concept of a wish list into something bigger and, and wishing for experience, wishing for mm. connection, wishing for perspective, wishing for um, the ability to acquire a lens and a view from a vantage point that is so foreign, like literally an alien behind the sun. And, and I just think that it's such a wonderful application of, of taking something that's so familiar to a listener and just bending it backwards, tossing it on its head and, and, and having some fun with it. And I think that this song doesn't get enough credit. I really don't think this set of lyrics gets enough credit. And I want to I wanna hearken, if I may, to a, a specific line. <laughs> I wish I was as fortunate as fortunate as me. So much about a wish list is saying, I want, I want to fill the void because there's an emptiness and therefore I need, right? But this, this moment of reflection in the song, I wish I was as fortunate, as fortunate as me, the self-realization and self-actualization of re- recognizing, you know what? I am a fortunate being and, and I wish that I could remain so. I wish I, I was, it's almost like uh, he, he's saying to himself, you know? Yeah be happy with who you are and and how important that is it's almost an it's an i am mine moment if you will as a predecessor to a degree so i wish i was the messenger and all the news was good i wish i was the full moon shining off a camera so it's such a a gorgeous line (laughs) it really really is um so super impressed always have been and 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 again i I don't think the 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 track and the lyrics get enough credit. i think a lot of people look at it like it's uh I don't want to say amateur-esque, but I, I don't think that enough, ap- enough time and energy goes into critically thinking about a song like this 
And I think if you juxtapose it and you examine the dichotomy between lyrics like this and something like what Eartha Kitt did, you, you, you'll gain an even greater appreciation. And that's not to suggest that Santa Baby is a poor song. I mean, that, that, that was its own version of, of, of kind of a charming approach at, at going about this. But I don't know. It's just all part of the discussion, I guess. Well, you know, I did choose Wish List as my most overrated song revealed. I know. And, and uh, Blasphemy. I'm going to walk it back a little bit here. I'm going <laughs> to walk it back a little bit. Um, it was mostly because of how I think people really, really almost demanded it being played for a long time. And I was like, I thought there were more interesting songs in the album. But nevertheless, uh, I take your point. I was also kind of reaching a little bit. Uh, I think that one could argue this whole song is a profession of devotion to a loved one or a lover. The subject is telling his or her lover that um, they want the best for them in all facets and every line is a different metaphor for that. Talk about the, uh, the sailor line. Sailors would be gone for really long stretches of time. So to have one significant other actually remain faithful, to be viewed as worthy of that kind of faith is such a compliment. And this almost comes across as, as arrogant or selfish, but I think it's worth focusing more on the power of the connection instead. The subject is yearning for that level of connection. At the same time, the subject, as you mentioned, recognizes how lucky they are. They know who they're with and their relationship is strong, desirable, with reciprocity and respect. And, and self-awareness and humility is key here. Now, the third line is a reminder to the subject's lover that no matter what the subject will, uh, the subject will never maliciously hurt his lover or her lover. Sure, you know, everyone is going to get hurt at some point, but the intention is never to do so. Remember the whole line, don't kill the messenger. This is kind of that. And I like that the last line is playful. The moon shining off, the full moon shining off a Camaro's hood is such an, an awesome scene to imagine you know, that scene could be uh, making out under the stars. It could be uh, driving towards something exciting. Uh, Ed didn't write Buick LeSabre. He, he wrote Camaro. <laughs> you know, that's a fun car, something people would have a, a good time in. Uh, no offense to Buick. But <laughs> I think this is a love letter. And I, and I find cost it, us a sponsorship. <laughs> damn it. If it's good enough for John Voigt. Eh, no, Seinfeld fans? Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I, th- I think it's a love letter. I think it's a love letter. And I, f- and I find it so interesting that Ed uses wishes as his vehicle because wishes imply that it's something that probably cannot be manufactured in reality. Like, you know, I, I wish I won a million dollars or something. Like Ed is trying to manifest this kind of relationship. It's almost kind of sad. I really think about it a little bit further. There's something a little bit out of reach about this love letter. So my last question would be then, who is his muse for this? Because it's almost kind of heartaching the way that you, you could, if you go down the rabbit hole enough and say, wow, okay, he's never going to have these things. Is that what's it? So it, when I reread this and tried to really think about, well, why would he be saying all these things? It adds the, adds the onion layers uh, that I don't think most people really think about. They think about it a little bit more superficially, like you would the Eartha Kitt song. Mm-hmm. So I liked that I was able to, I, that was, that we forced me to go back and re-examine and find these layers because it makes the song uh, better 
and it makes it makes a simplicity and the chord structure especially when you think about the idea of wishing being something that's possibly unattainable sadder and therefore adding another facet to it so uh a, a great choice here in a fun uh, dynamic for the main topic of our episode my friend yeah let's uh let's go to our like kind of week ready to stand up so wish lists going to the late 90s and we may have tipped our hand earlier in the episode as to where we're going would you like to tell me well, this was tough because I think there's actually at the time they played, they played this song quite a bit actually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the version that stood out the most to me and remains one of my favorites is uh, Melbourne, March 5th, 
I wish I was a lucky man Well, I guess that I am I wish that I could share with my friends Oh, how many friends I have Paul, I think you, you really hit the nail on the head in this one. Uh, the pace the pace is huge here. It's perfect. It's not too fast, which is what they do a lot of with this song in recent memory. The sound quality, which I'm sure you're going to mention, is fantastic. Obviously, it was it was broadcast over the radio and since been cleaned up by the beautiful people out there who do all this uh, remastering stuff for us on these, on these bootlegs. Ed sounds really crystal clear. I love the... Uh, lyric change to off your bulldozer's hood, which I believe something <laughs> to do with the venue. There's a bulldozer outside. Um, yeah. I, f- I forget the story. And that's part of the charm of the song is you really can play around with the lyrics wherever yeah. you go. I yeah, appreciate absolutely. that about it. One of the last chances you're going to hear this song with Jack Irons, which is nice. And the very end, he kind of changes the ending there to I wish I was a lucky man. Well, I guess I am. I wish that I could share with my friends how many friends I have. It's just, it's a great way to edit the close of the song after the false ending. And it's, uh, it's just a really, really cool version of the song. I think so too. What do you guys think? Do you think it's your favorite? Do you have better, better ones, other ones, other ones that are better? You know, you know, on that note, by the way, at some point we, we will have exhausted all these songs. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I was thinking about this the other day and I realized what we'll end up having to do is continue to examine lyrics of the week, but they'll probably come at some point from songs we've already covered because there's only so many in the catalog. Right. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, instead of going through what was my favorite life cut of the week, we can explore just what's a great cut. That's just pl- pl- what, what is a, an outstanding version from, from any 2009, era. you know, <laughs> exactly from any era. So I, I look forward to, uh, to one day getting those, uh, those spots, mostly because I enjoy those text messages from you where, where you'll be listening to a random show and you're like, dude, by the way, this show, amazing version of even flow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do do that. I put on random, random, uh, uh, shows every now and again. I'm like, Ooh, didn't know about this version of yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, that's a good shout. We are, I think we're more than halfway through for sure. We've made considerable progress. Yeah, 52 yeah, weeks this year, huh? That's right. Didn't miss you know one. what? That I, what better way to celebrate and give the gift of your affinity for this podcast than by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. That would be dynamite. And oh, by the way, uh, what would also be dynamite is if you would go to our brand new Tumblr page, what is that? Oh boy. It's, it's written word. Rumble. There's a rumbly in my tumbly. Is yeah, this happening? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We created a Tumblr, state of love and trust pj.tumblr.com. The first entry of which is a review, an album review of the new Black Circle record called Pandora. Uh, it, it came out uh, on Christmas Day. It has been uh, transcribed and translated by Lenny Prado himself. So if you speak Portuguese, yes. You will be able to uh, understand the words that I wrote, and um, perhaps we'll get uh, Paul uh, to write something because he is a bit of a wordsmith himself. Um, he might be too humble to say, but he is a very, very good writer and better than I am. And uh, we'll find some topics. You know, we'll have a write-off. We'll have not me because I'll lose, but it'll, it'll be Paul 
versus Stip from the Skyscrape. Oh, and boy. it'll be like a prose off. Oh, man. <laughs> We're bringing it back old school with written word. I love it. Um, a symposium so with Paul and Stip. <laughs> symposium. We've rented out the Marriott uh, Harbor Beach uh, conference <laughs> room for you guys. Um, so there you go. We hope you guys have had a lovely uh, 2021 all things considered, of course, not the NPR show, but like just the phrase, all things considered. Uh, it's been an interesting year, a rough year. We are uh, about to conclude year two of COVID. And um, I would say that sucks and it does. No end in sight. But um, <laughs> I will say this, if not for that, you might not be listening to the show. We're literally naming so, variants of this thing like we do hurricanes these days. It's getting out of control. I think Ike is next. Oh God. <laughs> You know what? Let's let's end this on a positive note. Okay. Happy holidays to all. And to all, a good night. Happy 2021. Have a lovely New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. And we'll see you in 2022. And until we do, you've been listening to The State of Love and Trust. Yeah.